argue that the greatest foreigner in the history of Japanese professional wrestling is Stan Hansen. Bruiser Brody, Kenny Omega, they're in the running. Vader. Steve Williams, but... Stan Hansen provided something vital in the evolution of the Four Golden Pillars. And this match is the single most obvious moment for it. On August 22nd, 1992, when Hansen as the... Triple Crown Champion was facing Mitsuharu Misawa. But it was much broader than that, and we certainly see it later with Kenta Kobashi in 93. Is Hansen represented force put upon the natives? That he was, in a way, working a style that is very rarely seen because it leaves very few places for them to go. You have to be a really genius worker to work opposite of what Hansen was doing. Because in a way, what Hansen was doing was he was giving just enough so that he would take the onslaught, but then suddenly bring it to a dead stop. And then, while that sounds relatively simplistic, the fact is when it hit that dead stop, when it hit that wall, that wall had more legitimacy to it in presentation, in concept and particularly in stiffness this match starts off really really smart and it's a little slow in building but at the same time it's also very very smartly laid out because it seems like he gives misawa moments and then he makes him pay for those moments but misawa is energy personified he is there's a great segment where he's in a an arm ringer and he's just bouncing his legs back and forth. It's like he's trying to burn. <clears throat> it's like he's trying to burn energy to keep being able to deal with the pain. And when he gets his offense, he's very, very super smart about it. A great example. There's an extended headlock section where Misawa gets a headlock and they're standing up and then manages to get him down to the mat. So he's sprawled. But as soon as... Hansen sort of goes flat. Misawa pushes the butt up and applies the tension. And then he goes back down and he waits for Hansen to reposition. And then he does it again. And it's that variance. It's, it's him always trying to get just a little more advantage in. Because he knows sooner or later Hansen is going to make him pay. And Hansen does a little bit of this too. There's a great overhead wrist lock section where Misawa makes the ropes. And then Hansen just drives the side of the knee into his shoulder. The deal is, what Hansen is doing is he is adding a little bit extra onto everything at the end. In essence, he is trying to to bring him to bring Misawa through pain and then knock him out. What's impressive about this match and a direct difference from the Hansen-Kobashi match a year later. Not a single lariat. And there are some great moments in it that... Because this is not one of the matches that people think of when they think of the classics of All Japan in the 90s. Shiruta Misawa, sure. Bunch of different six bands, absolutely. Furnace and Crawford, uh tag team match, yeah. <laughs> one match of the year, for God's sakes. Williams-Kobashi... Hanson Kobashi, sure. But this one doesn't get talked about. And if you sort of look back through why, 
I think it's because this was when Misawa was winning his triple crown. And the crowd is insane for him the whole way through. But Hansen is playing the champion less like the brutal bruiser and adding just a little bit of Nick Bockwinkle to his presentation. And it works incredibly well. There's a moment, though, in this match, which I think illustrates my point better than anything. Hansen keeps on bruising and battling and knocking, you know, everything that happens. And there are actually a whole lot of what we would look at as rest holds. My personal favorite, though, is there's a segment where Misawa has a chin lock on and he's repositioning. He's working to make it into something huge that seems like it could be a finish. It's weird. It's a great little segment. But what really illustrates what Hansen was doing was when he breaks from what he has obviously been doing. And he takes a note from the Misawa playbook and throws a dropkick. It's a good dropkick. Not a great dropkick. It's a pretty good dropkick. It's a it's a dropkick that has a desperation to it in a way. And it tells that Hansen is desperately trying to get into that space. Hansen throws a powerbomb at one point, but he doesn't get all of it. And he sort of pushes Misawa out. And Misawa actually gets his foot down to sort of break the fall. Really an interesting piece of psychology there. Because this idea that if he had hit that, it would have been over. But instead, he sort of half-heartedly did it. There are lots of Misawa elbows. There's a great one. Every time, again, my point about this whole force and ex, just a little extra. Every time Hansen gets Misawa to the corner, he gives him a smack of some sort. There's a great one where he nails Misawa with a slap and he comes back with an elbow that's just brutal. There are lots of great elbows in this one. And there's a moment, actually, where Misawa's been taking a lot of uh, beaten to the uh, shoulder, and he manages to knock Hansen out of the ring. And this is the time where, with the traditional Misawa idea, you would go for the elbow suicida, the dive through the rope with the elbow. But he doesn't do it. Instead, he stays in the ring and works the arm trying to get the feeling back into it because Misawa is playing into the idea that he has to outlast the onslaught. He has to provide the onslaught to Hansen, but he knows Dan Hansen is going to get his shots in. So he just has to last those short shots and hope that his next onslaught is enough. And Hansen's so great at the little things that like, he has him in a Fujiwara armbar, and then he sort of transitions to dig the elbow in. He does the thing, of course, where you pull the pad off the knee, and then he drops a knee on his head. Hansen does a particularly poor cross-arm breaker, but it's in that storyline where he is now trying, he is out of his comfort zone, because his plan isn't necessarily working, because Misawa has been able to outlast the onslaught, which, great to see, and believable. Mitsuharu Misawa comes out of this looking tougher, and when he finally hits the elbow, great-looking elbow, and there's actually a cell in here that is more Terry Funk than Stan Hansen, uh, 
immediately get an elbow from Misawa, and he just does the sort of the back fall. And it's great. <laughs> and Misawa goes over and covers him for the finish. And it's one, two, three. Hansen doesn't try to kick out. It's none of that. Just Hansen's out, which is cool. Because that is him basically giving the ball, and in this case, the belt, and the trophy, belts, to Misawa, who would then go on to have, I think, a two-year reign at this point. Uh, he loses it to Steve Williams in 94. What this is, is this is a transition to Misawa. This is, we'd had a period with uh, Jumbo Tsuruda being this megastar, working incredibly well, having incredible matches. He was probably at his best from, I would say, 87 to 91, in a time when he was being used as the star who is trying to keep his spot and prove that he was still the best. I think he had actually stepped back a bit as a worker, but as an overall character, as an overall presence, he had improved. Maybe not even improved. Maybe he was just having the exact right setting for what he could do in that scenario. Hanson would go on to, of course, have many great matches. We're going to be talking about two of them. And maybe, actually, maybe even be three uh, as we go on. Of course, Kobashi, which will probably be three or four away episodes away and of course the match with vader where i have a lot to say but he is a major presence even more so than steve williams who is also a major presence who desperately needs to be talked about in much different terms and we'll definitely be doing that with his match with kobashi and a match with misawa but the thing is the foreigners at this point and this match in particular says it the tough guy foreigners were no longer setting the standard. This match in particular transfers that to Misawa. And throughout 92, 93, 94, and 95, Misawa gives little pieces of that, along with uh, Williams and Hansen. Little pieces of that get to Kawada, to Kobashi, to Tawei, eventually to Junakiyama. Uh, never to the level that it should have, but hmm, I have so much to say about the fact that they messed up so hard with Junakiyama over the years. He's easily a Hall of Famer, and I'm glad he's in, but they should have had him doing so much more. This match gave the ball to Misawa in a way that even the Tsuruda match didn't. This was the idea that tough guys now were the Japanese stars. That brute force was no longer the defining tough guy, strong guy, big guy determination. It was technique. It was, in essence, fighting spirit. And this is a wonderful example of how that can change. And from here on out, because you have the first golden pillar established, from here through about 95. No, it's probably even less than that, because at this point, Tsuruda is about to be phased out completely. His career is pretty much over. And, of course, 
Giant Bob is gone, more or less. He's in the comedy openers. But it's about establishing the golden pillars one by one by one. Because this here, even more so than the Saruta match, established him as the golden pillar that they would be building on from here on out. And it's now Misawa's job to give that rub to Kawada without necessarily dropping the belt. More on that later. Thanks for listening.